But God has to remove the threat because he knows that Pharaoh will come after his children. And he'd rather establish it right now before Israel that they are safe from that future threat. It will not be a threat in the future. God's going to end it now. So there's so many things happening here. Ultimately, the protection of his children, the boosting of their faith, and the final declaration of God's name being the God of all gods, the King of all kings. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And they did so. Verse 5. When the king of Egypt... Verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done? That we have let Israel go from serving us. So what's the thing that really helped flip their hearts and minds to go after Israel? Selfishness. Our, our workforce. What were we thinking to let our workforce go? Now that Israel's gone, who's going to build all of Pharaoh's heavy, big, wonderful buildings. It's going to be us. So a lot of it is selfishness. Helps turn their hearts back against God, against Israel, to go after him. What is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? Verse 6. So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him, took 600 chosen chariots. I don't know if they'd be like the SWAT team. They're the best of the best, like the Green Berets. He brings a whole shooting match. All the other chariots, too. But he handpicks the Green Berets to go with him up front. Took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them. All Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them, overtook Israel, and camped at the sea by Pi-Hahirath in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. This is a really natural thing for us, isn't it? To, to turn around, to look back, to, to see what's behind us, and to again be afraid of it. I mean, when you're coming out of drug addiction, coming out of a disastrous relationship, coming out of all different kinds of pain and hardship, coming out of a deep grief. If, if we turn around and look back at it and, and ignore the future and refuse to live in the present of what God's doing and only look at the back, we can go back into it. Stoke up the fear. We can refresh the grief, all those kinds of things. We can overdo it. Israel turns around and looks back and sees Egypt, Pharaoh and everything coming at him, and the fear comes on greatly. Now, we could, we could reason with Israel, right? Said, now, wait a minute. For the last few months, haven't you watched God at every single step of the way show that he is God, and he's going to deal with Egypt and whatever they're bringing? Hasn't God shown himself over and over again? How about the, the tenth plague? What about the Passover people? All these things. We can reason, but... How many times have you tried to reason with fear in somebody else? How does that go? It doesn't often go well. The people are fearing greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Now wait a minute. 
right? This is fear talking, and fear doesn't make sense, does it? Who cried out for God to, to relieve them from their slavery? Who cried out to God to be set free from Egypt? The Israelites did. But all that's forgotten in the midst of fear. Now, I just want to make a connection here. We need to be aware, people, that the vast majority of our media today is all about fear. The vast majority of what they're trying to do is keep us afraid about something. If there's not something today, let's create something tomorrow. So the climate stuff, uh, whatever, it's, it's endless. Please be aware of that. And don't let the media, don't check your faith at the door and listen to the media and let them lead you down a primrose path into fear. Do not be afraid, the Lord says. Start your day with the Lord. Walk with him through the day. End your day with the Lord. Anything the media throws at us, bring it to the Lord. Leave it with him. Don't let that fear take over your life. What have you done to bring us to us and bringing us out of Egypt, verse 12. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? You're going, wait a minute. When did we ever hear that? Probably in the very early stages when they, when they were making them make bricks without providing straw, right? In the early stages when it was terrible for Israel. Maybe way back then, but how far back are they going with this complaint? They're going back to the beginning. Didn't we tell you to leave us alone? It's not so bad with the Egyptians? Wait a minute. It was terrible back then. They were killing your baby boys. You were dying, making their buildings for them. It was terrible. But in the midst of fear, we'll gloss over anything. Didn't we tell you to leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Not true. Now, we're Americans. And hopefully we understand this. Better to die free than to live as a slave. Now that's not just a patriotic thing. It's a spiritual truth. Don't be content. If you're under the devil's thumb, if you're under the, the thumb of sin, addiction to drugs and different things and messed up stuff, don't be content with that. Don't believe the devil's lie that you can never come out from under that. Christ Jesus has freedom for you. Why do we go crazy when we say, Christ is risen? He is risen indeed. Because that means freedom. That means freedom from sin and its consequences. It means freedom from death. It means freedom from the devil himself. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 11, we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb. And the blood of the Lamb has power because it was perfect and innocent sacrificial, but also because he rose from the grave and proved that he was victorious. That freedom is for us. One of the most frustrating things in life is for the person who is free to see someone who is in bondage, and they choose to remain in bondage. Your heart just goes off. You're like, you don't have to live under that bondage anymore. But folks, when we come out of the bondage, it is powerful, and the tug of it, the draw of it is strong. And maybe we haven't known any other way to live life except under that. So the pull here to turn back and say, wow, that was something else. Can't you hear Israel? Uh, in, in their delusion, 
Weren't we better off back under the bondage? No, you weren't. That's not the truth. So if you're loving somebody, praying for somebody, witnessing to somebody who is in this situation, don't stop loving them. Don't stop praying for them. Don't stop speaking the truth to them. What does the New Testament say? If even one turns away from the flames, hallelujah, it's all worth it. Our hearts go out. This, this is yucky, speaking truth about humanity's heart stuff right here. A lot of it, a lot in Israel is saying, let's go back. We're better off in bondage. No, you aren't. You're better off free in Christ. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. That's a lie. Call it a lie. Declare it a lie and speak the truth. Amen? Amen. Verse 13. Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. He's worked a bunch of it for you in previous days, but apparently you need another batch. God will do that for you. Today is a new day, and he's going to show you salvation. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Glory! I'm going to deal with these Egyptians. You're never going to have to fear them again. Pharaoh, I'm dealing with him today. His, his Green Beret SWAT team chariots, I'm dealing with them today. You will never have to fear them again. So, do you need to fear death today? It's been dealt with. Do you need to be afraid about your sin being so momentous, so huge, so, so ugly, that Christ can't fix it, that Christ can't get victorious, or that Christ can't pay the price for it? Do you never need to be afraid that the devil has more on you than you can fight back with in Christ? Never. I love this verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. In this situation today, you have only to be silent. Can any of us help Jesus on the cross that day? There are times when the Lord says, get up, flex your muscles, use the sword I've given you, have at. And then there are times when God says, you stand still and you watch. And I will do this for you. On the cross, none of us could help Jesus, none of us could do that for him. That was the day when he said, I will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, <laughs> you got to love God. And does our, our God a fuzzy dice God? Is he, he going to speak the truth to you and I directly when we need to hear it? He is going to be straight up with us. So the Lord's verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? You don't know who I am? You don't know, you haven't seen what I have done. You don't know that I can handle this situation too. Don't cry to me. 
turn to me and say, okay, God, deal with them. That's God. That's the response God wants. He says, what are you crying to me for? You tell the people of Israel to go, say it with me, go forward. I've already dealt with the sin, death, and the devil behind you. Go forward. Don't turn back to the bondage. Go forward in freedom and Christ. So I don't know who needs to hear that today, but you might need to hear it straight up. Why are you crying to the Lord? Why are you complaining? Why are you whining? Why are you saying it was better when I was in bondage? That's a lie. Today, God might be saying to you directly, quit crying, complaining, go forward in all I've given you in Christ. In the, in the cross and in the empty tomb, I've given you all you need. The presence of my Holy Spirit is with you right now. Risen Lord, go forward. Verse 16, lift up your staff, Moses, stretch it out over, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Let the people of Israel, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel. Who is that? That's Jesus. Who was going before the host of Israel moved, went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood between them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. Praise the Lord. He says, go forward, but then what does he demonstrate? I am between you and your enemy. If the enemy's going to touch you, he's got to come through me. Say, thank you, Jesus. He stands between you and the enemy. Stands between you and the bondage. And there was a cloud in the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord, Yahweh, I am, the I am, drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. Say, hallelujah. hallelujah. And the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord, in the pillar of fire and of cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. The Lord said to Moses, can you imagine uh, Satan's kingdom when Jesus came out of the tomb on Sunday morning? Can you imagine how they shook and how they trembled and feared to even talk to each other about what had just happened? They knew in that moment our future is sealed. It's really going to happen the way God said it would. Let us flee. Verse 26, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. 
And as the Egyptians fled into it, see, now they're turning around and trying to go back. Now the Egyptians are trying to go back to safety. As the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. I don't know, I visualize it, the hand of God. Sweeping all of Egypt's armed forces into the water. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Say with me, not one of them remained. Not one people. The entire army and charioteers of Egypt destroyed in one moment. Anything for Israel to fear now? Anyone for Israel to fear now? Anything for you to fear now? Sin? Death? How you die? Hell seems to be working with that. For some reason, we've decided COVID death is the worst possible kind of. We'll get into all that stuff. Whatever. Devil himself. I don't. I don't disrespect him. Right? The scripture says, "Be clear. He is a powerful foe." But I don't fear him anymore. His best weapon was death. Jesus whooped on it. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm not going to fear death anymore. Not one of them remained, verse 29. The people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, feared Yahweh, feared I Am, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Everybody say, finally, finally. Hallelujah. hallelujah. This is one of the reasons why there's a party in heaven every time somebody gets saved. Because this is part of that moment. It's finally, finally, finally you believe in the great one. Finally you believe in what he's done for you. Finally you've stepped into freedom. Well, Israel obviously had doubts, even after the Passover. So we look at them, and it's pretty easy to point fingers, right? You and I have never had doubts. We've never been challenged by diagnoses and things happening to our family and things happening to our nation and... So we're going to be honest, right, and say, we, we have our moments. So let's go from a nation to an individual who gets to represent doubt and fear. Good old Thomas. John chapter 20. sunrise at the edge of the Red Sea here. So the Lord saved Israel that day. But they had to see 
they feared, they had to see that they were no longer a threat. Before they could finally trust Yahweh and trust Moses, they had to see it with their naked eyes. And you hear Jesus saying to his disciples, how many times do you say this? I've never counted. O ye of little faith. How many times did Jesus say, why did you doubt? Interesting, right? Well, there was this one disciple named Thomas who needed a Red Sea moment personally to help him believe. After Jesus died on the cross and rose from the tomb, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. But Thomas didn't believe it yet. And he had a terrible time believing. So John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, it'd be Sunday, the, Jesus rose that Sunday morning. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, they got Jesus crucified. Maybe they're coming after us now. Jesus came, the risen one. Amen? stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Because peace is the great antidote to fear. Amen. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. What did they need? They needed a Red Sea moment. They needed to see their enemy washed up dead on the seashore. So Jesus showed them his hands and his feet. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He's alive, he's talking to us, he's still bearing the marks from the cross, but he's alive. Their Red Sea moment. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a moment. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Say, oh, because he didn't see. He was missing an action at the Red Sea moment. I don't know if he was, you know, somebody in Israel that day. Were they sick? Were they laying down? Were they closed their eyes? Maybe somebody missed it. Thomas missed it, the Red Sea moment. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. This is terrible unbelief. This isn't just, gee, I'm not sure. This is... I have to see their dead bodies wash up on the shore. I have to go down and poke Pharaoh and make sure he doesn't move. This is, this is powerful unbelief. And so Jesus showed up immediately and said, come on, Thomas. Is that what he did? I've, I've always loved and scratched my head over this. Eight, say it with me, eight days later, How long did God let Thomas stew in his unbelief and wrestle with his doubt? Eight days. Amazing. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, said, Peace be with you. 
Now, it doesn't say specifically, but I have to believe he turned and mono a mono, right? Thomas, one-on-one. He said to Thomas, this is where we need voice-toned Bible. Amen? <laughs> How did he say this? Did he say it? All right, Thomas, I'm here. Here's your Red Sea moment. Come on, buddy. Come over here. Put your finger right here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Now, this is a challenging thing to, to translate English. You can also say, stop not believing. Start believing now. Was it that way? Or was it grace and mercy? And, you know, that's, that's the holy side. That's the Thomas? Seriously. Or is it the grace and mercy side? Is it Thomas, come here. Let me help you out, buddy. Put your finger in there if you need to. See this big hole in my side? Go ahead, stick your hand in there if you need to. Let me do let me do all I can to help you have your Red Sea moment. Let me help you believe. I don't know how it was. There's a sense when Jesus says, do not disbelieve but believe, there's some parental no more goofing around. Because Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, put out your hand, place on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus, in very clear terms, was saying, Thomas, you must choose. I know Lutherans aren't big on this decision theology and stuff. I get it. I get that in a big, wonderful way. This is a moment that's clear. Jesus says, you've got to make a choice, and it better happen right now. Thomas answered him like the Israelites did on the shore of the Red Sea. What did they get? They, they saw everybody die in the water, Pharaoh and all his chariots, and they turned to Moses and said, God really is God. You really are his chosen leader. Let's go forward. Here's how Thomas declares it. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. We're concerned about Thomas, weren't we? Jesus helped him come through. Jesus said to him, and you can still hear that the parent, parent voice here, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Because folks like you and I, all the generations since then, even, even in the day of the disciples, all the rest of those who got converted, they converted, they didn't have the opportunity to see Jesus face to face. They had to believe based on what they heard. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life, freedom, victory, salvation in his name. We all have 
moments of doubt. We can't stay there. If you're in a place like that today, you need to ask somebody who is strong in faith at the moment to come alongside you, hear your situation, pray with you, love you, and believe with you and for you. But don't stay in your doubt. That's not a good place. It can be a dangerous place. And it's a place where you aren't living in the victory and freedom that God has for you. He wants you and I to go forward into freedom and victory. And not stay stuck looking at the past and afraid of what we came out of. Today I want to encourage you to go forward in Christ. And the way I know I can do that is because of the word of God, because of this truth. Christ really is risen. He is risen, risen indeed. indeed. The victory is ours, given by Christ, given by his love. That's what the whole thing is about. So if we're stuck in the past, today is the day to turn around. Go forward, leave it behind. Need help with that? There's no shame in that. Ask somebody, ask me. Somebody come alongside and help you get used to going forward. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.